last time I did something like this, it was like a month ago, at uh, Franciscan University, Steubenville, and they have like a huge, huge school, so they do it in the gym, and they put up this like stage and all this sort of stuff, and uh, never really done it before, and you have to like go up six steps to get up to put Jesus on the altar, or their kind of makeshift altar, and I didn't know, like, basically I went to genuflect after, I didn't know it was like a short stage, so I like almost fell off of it. Uh, lost my sandal, had, had to walk back down with only one sandal on. Um, so we're off to a better start than that. Um, it's great to be with you. It's great to be with you. It's great to be with you in the presence of our Lord. And we'll be um, just talking about the gift that he is. And it's, it's such a gift for me and an honor to be here traveling as well with, with my brothers. Um, hopefully you've had a chance to meet them. Uh, Brother Mariano, Brother Paul, Ross, David, Tyler, and uh, Mikey, Mike, um, Man Bun Mike, wherever he is. Um, I, one, I, we, we say this a lot as far as, like, who gets to live like this? And part of just the incredible gift of our life is, like, who gets to live with the men, men who are of this quality? It's just really, really uh, kind of over the top how good the Lord is in calling these, the men that he is calling. And um, so it's a great gift to share them with you. And it's definitely a thing, like when seven of us are traveling, um, it's definitely like people take note of it. And this, like, this is true. We, we all traveled together from, from New York. We actually went into Lafayette. So from New York to whatever it was, to, to Dallas, to Lafayette. And just in that time, like, they, they made three different people cry just on the way down here. Um, there's that. At 5.30 in the morning, some evangelical, like, missionary guy prayed with us. He started crying, um, waiting for our connecting flight. Brother Mariano was talking to one of the, the women from Mexico who was, like, cleaning stuff. She started crying. Um, and then on the flight f- to Lafayette, bef- bef- I mean, like, before we were up in the air, before, like, the seatbelt thing came on, Tyler had the lady next to him crying. It's like, what, what are these guys doing? Um... <laughs> Just, it's a wild thing, and it is a true thing, and I'm really grateful it happened, because it's, uh, I was going to share just, like, some of the funny stuff that happens, like, with the habit and stuff, and it's, it's like, you may not believe, like, some of this stuff is just so true, one, like, one of my favorite ones, one of my favorite ones is, I was walking with Father PT in the Bronx, and this, this woman, like, stops us, she's like, all right, all right, all right, and she's like, where can I get one of those, I got to get me one of those for my mans, like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, I don't know about getting one of these for your mans. Um, well, that thing's hot. That thing's hot. I got to get me one of those for the club. Like, all right. True, all, all true stuff. Um, when I, or like, I'm from, from uh, Southern California, kind of a nice area, and it has like a nice house. And when I, when I go back, have like, like a pizza party or something like that. And then one time, the, the pizza delivery lady's there, and I answer the door in the habit. She, like, helps bring the stuff in. She's like, so you guys having a dress-up party? Well, not, not exactly. Um, two more, two more. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorites is Father, one of our priests, Father Ignatius, originally from uh, anywhere. So anyway, he's, we have this, like, retreat center, and... Uh, because a lot of us use it, we have like, a, like an alarm and a code and stuff like that, which we're just not super good at, apparently. And so Father Ignatius got up there, and he's like getting settled in, drinking, like, drinking his whatever it is, mate or whatever he's drinking. And um, 100% true story. Cops bust in with their, their guns drawn, like, get on the floor, get on the floor. And he like drops on the floor. Um, 
And after, you know, like however long had to pass for them to figure out, like, okay, no, he's allowed to be here. Um, cop gets him up and he says, so like, you guys practice like kung fu up here? Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, okay, two more, one more. Uh, I was just with, with a bunch of missionaries down in, Co- uh, we went on a trip to Costa Rica. What's up, everybody? Italy. Um, and um, so, like, there's like a, they were flying down here. I was flying up to New York. So, there's like a dramatic goodbye. Everybody's crying. Um, and I'm walking off to the sunset all by myself. And, and right when I get by the security lady, she says, Hey, nice dress. It's like, kind of killed the moment. Um, and finally, like on the flight, the, the flight to Lafayette, uh, this, this young man, who as the kids say, was like totally out of pocket. This, this guy was like wild, um, was sitting next to me. True story, I'm like sitting there, he gets his phone out, probably Snapchat, whatever it is. He's like, I'm sitting next to Jesus, you hurt? <laughs> you hurt? Um, I was like, this is awesome. Um, and I'm so glad because, like, he actually, we had the conversation with him that I was going to talk about us having the conversation with because we're going back and forth. And the first thing, he was just very concerned about whether or not we wanted a shot. He was very, very concerned about whether, how much we were going to be drinking or not. Um, and as time went on, he kind of settled in. We, the, the Jesus conversation starts happening. And at some point, he gets to the, po- the place where, like, everyone gets to where he says, yeah, you know, I was like, I was Catholic, but I don't really go. I do this thing, that thing. But, you know, they're all the same. Yeah, they're all the same. And, and we get that from Christians. We get that from those of other faiths. You know, it's all one God. It's all the same. It's not. Like, it's just not. It's just not all the same. And, and, right, like, for those who are not Christians, like, there's so many of, of, the, of the religions are about, like, us, us doing the thing us climbing the mountain, us obeying the law, us finding God, us searching him out. Like, Christianity is the opposite. It's Jesus' pursuit of us. Like, it's the Lord's pursuit of us. It's his condescension towards us. And then, right, like, yeah, hey, like, with our evangelical brothers and sisters, our Protestant brothers and sisters, we get, we're, we're lined up on a lot of things, and there's a lot of things that they can teach us and that we can learn from them. And really, part of my conversion was deeply impacted by my time at a, a non-denominational, like, elementary school. Um, but Jesus' pursuit of us um, becomes a permanent presence, a pursuing presence in the most holy sacrament of the altar, the Eucharist. Like, like, my friends, they're not all the same. They're not all the same. We have the greatest of gifts, the greatest of privileges, the greatest of honors um, to be and to know and to have faith um, that he is here and that he is with us and his, his pursuit of us didn't stop with his earthly life, but continues as he comes to us and remains with us in this most holy sacrament. <laughs> what we're going to talk about is, I'm really going to just use two stories, um, talking about like what this means, his presence here. 
And right, when we're talking about the Eucharist, there's so many different, really beautiful and profound aspects of this gift that we can focus on and highlight, um, particularly just the sublime humility of God. Uh, But what we'll focus on tonight is just what his presence means and why he gives himself as he does in this way and why this changes everything. Why this absolutely changes everything. And, and I'll, I'll share a story um, that, again, for my friends, this is the only one you'll, this is the only repeat um, from the whole week. Um, I'm going to share this story that has to do with, with first kind of just the presence, and then we'll talk about the Eucharist. And it's, it's basically the story of, of my vocation a little bit and my niece. So there's a lot of things. So I had my like, conversion when I was freshman in college. Pretty quickly, I know I want to work with the poor. I want to, I want to be a priest in an outburger in Southern California. I learned about the friars of the renewal, and I, like, I want to be a friar. And the friars, um, that was like a weird detail just to pass through. But anyway, I, I learned about the friars in an outburger. Um, but right, like our community, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, like we're based out of the Northeast. And I was, I'm from Southern California. And so, like, if you're going to join us, you're going to end up moving to New York. Um, and we don't have a house at all in California. So, like, if I came this way, like, I wasn't going to be home. And I'm one of two. I have an older sister. She's five years older than me. And when she was, when she was 25, um, she got pregnant. Uh, she wasn't married at the time. She got pregnant with, with my niece. And... Uh, she would, you know, um, she would have Aubrey, and the difficulty was that the father, Aubrey's father, uh, just his whole life struggled with drug addiction. And so when, when Aubrey was born, and he continued to use for the safety of, of Aubrey and everyone involved, like, he had to kind of make the choice, like, it's, it's, it's one or the other, and he couldn't kick it. And so he's been, he's been out of her life, um, her entire life. And so this is all happening while I feel called to the friars. And of course, like, it's just, again, it, it was just, it's like me and my dad, my mom, my sister, and Aubrey, like, I just felt a real deep duty um, and, and a call to be like a very, like a positive male role model, model in her life. Like, her dad wasn't going to be around. I was her one uncle. I really felt like the importance of being there for her and looking out for her and caring for her in all of these ways. But at the same time, it was just so clear like, that the Lord was inviting me to do this other thing. He was inviting me out to New York. And just the, the tension of it and the wrestling with it like went on for months and months. And again, this is, it's like really, really deep. And what the Lord just spoke into it is this, um, basically, like, if you do my will, it's going to be, like, for your good, it's going to be the best for you, and the best for everyone else involved. Like, just trust me. Just trust me. And so with a lot of direction, a lot of prayer, and a lot of wrestling, um, I moved out to New York and began my time with the friars. And as the years would go by, about five or six years would go by, um, my sister would end up falling in love. 
and she would uh, eventually like, get married. And in the preparation for, for, the, for the marriage, um, her now husband, his name is Rick, said that he wanted to adopt Aubrey. And so as they're going to the court before the, the wedding happens, one of the things that the judge like emphasizes and double emphasizes and triple emphasizes is that like, if you adopt her, like, um, this is forever. So even if this relationship, even if this marriage breaks up, you are forever her father. And he said yes. And he said yes. And so they would, they would, they would get married. And um, at the time that they got married, Aubrey uh, was about seven or eight years old. And my parents were driving her home from, from the, the wedding reception. And as they're driving, all of a sudden they hear Aubrey crying in the back seat. I have a dad now. I have a dad now. I have a dad now. And it's, it's like the most moving and beautiful just moment maybe of my life, one of them at least. Um, you know, and, and we didn't know, I mean, she didn't act in a certain way. Like, we didn't know how deeply she experienced this des- desire for a dad in this way. Um, and I think it's so beautiful in a lot of ways. Like, like, the Lord had a plan, you know. The best I could have provided was, like, a pretty good uncle. Um, but he said, like, trust me, I'm going to provide a father. But what I love and I, and I think is important to point out for tonight is, is Aubrey having a dad, like Rick being there for her as her like forever father. Um, like, it doesn't change anything, but it changes everything. What I mean by that is she's still going to experience everything that teenagers experience. She's still going to have to wrestle with, with image, and she's going to have to wrestle with bowling, and she's going to have to wrestle with fitting in. Um, she's going to have to like, just do all of the things of life. Like, Rick, her dad being in her life, doesn't make the pain go away, doesn't make the difficulty go away, doesn't make it all rainbows and butterflies. Um, but it changes everything because she, she gets to go through this a loving presence. There's someone who loves her, who cares for her, who's going to be with her no matter what happens. And that's the most important gift. And that's the best gift. And that's the gift that brought Aubrey to tears. Like, I have a dad now. I have someone who's with me forever in all things. There's this thing about the Lord. Um, throughout salvation history, there's just been this crying out to Him. Uh, there's been the experience of sin and, and the results of sin in the world. And how does the Lord provide? He doesn't just fix everything. What he does is he gives us himself. Jesus' response to our cry. 
Jesus' response to our struggle, Jesus' response to everything is to give us himself. Because in giving us himself, he gives us everything that we need for the journey, right? And so we, as in Advent, the whole kind of church again proclaims with all of sort of the Old Testament, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Like, it is dark, we are in need of a Savior. It is broken, we are lost. And how does God respond? The Word becomes flesh, Emmanuel. He comes to dwell with us, to be with us. The Lord's response is the gift of himself. There's this, uh, it's an encyclical, so it's like a letter from a pope called Lumen Fide by Pope Francis. It's his first one. And basically he says this, like, in the midst of suffering, for those who are suffering, like, what's needed is not an explanation. What's needed is not a, a teaching. What's, what's needed is not, here's how redemptive suffering works. Like, what's needed is a presence that's with us for the journey. And this is the gift that the Lord gives us. Sure, he teaches us how it's gonna, what's going to happen and all that sort of stuff. We get it. But most importantly, he gives us a presence that's with us for the journey that's forever. And so now we'll kind of lock it in a little bit more, um, just like with what this presence means. And I'm going to share the story of a young man named Mario. And Mario, when we meet him, is a uh, more or less a Muslim um, drug addict. And sometimes we need the Muslim drug addict to remind us of, of things. There's this kind of story or like anecdote, whatever it is, that it's like, you know, whatever it is, it's like 800 years ago and there's these people visiting this, this Catholic basilica for the first time. There's some visiting priest from wherever and there's this guy like running back and forth in the sanctuary and he says like, like who is that guy? And whatever, the, bish the bishop responds, um, well, either he's a pagan or he's the sacristan. And the idea is this, like what he's saying is like, either he's the pagan, like he has no idea what's happening and so he acts that way, or he's the sacristan, meaning he's been around these mysteries so much, like he's forgotten what they mean. And so he ends up acting the same way as the person who had no faith. And so sometimes like we need somebody from the outside to encounter these mysteries again, to remind us of what is before us and what we have received. And so, we go to the South Bronx, St. Anthony's Shelter, it's Thanksgiving Day about five years ago, and Mario knocks on the door. At the time, Mario's about 25, 26, he's got huge gauges, he's got kind of like the, the, uh, the mohawk thing going, all tatted up, kind of husky dude, um, and he's homeless. And as we do the intake, what he shares with us is that basically he's got nothing. So he's, he's, he's in recovery. He's trying to be in recovery for uh, substance abuse, alcohol, drugs. He um, was somewhat recently, as, as a young man, uh, which kind of kicked things off, was in a car accident. And in the car accident, he was the only one who survived and all of his friends died. Um, he comes from a broken home. Both of his parents have passed away. So he's an orphan. He's an addict. He's just dealing with all of it. And he shows up 
at the homeless shelter on Thanksgiving. And one of the things that we do, we really try and celebrate well Thanksgiving with the men. Um, and it's one of the most beautiful things in the world when they, like, we have an opportunity for them to give thanks. And what we invite them to is to join us for Mass. So for the guys, it's optional, but, but um, the priest who was there and, and welcome Mario kind of explains this. So here's what's going on, Mario. Here's the schedule for tonight. We're going to have dinner at 7 o'clock. Um, but before that, we're all going to go to the church and we're going to have Mass. Um, I know, you know, like, I know you're not, like, Catholic, but if you'd want to join us, like, you're more than welcome. And so Mario kind of goes back and forth, like, yeah, you know, Father, like, like, well, yeah, I'm Muslim, but, like, I guess, you know, whatever, I'll just kind of come. And it's, it's really, like, whenever someone shows up at the shelter, they're, like, totally on their best behavior the first day. Um, and so, and so he comes, and he's like, yeah, and Father says, like, hey, you can, you can just sit in the back, take it in. And so, and so mass happens, and Mario sits in the back, and he's just taking it in. And after mass, he grabs Father, it's Father Innocent, he, he grabs Father Innocent, and he says, what just happened? And Father Innocent immediately goes into explaining, like, so this is what we believe. Uh, we believe that God became man, that Jesus came to save us. And on the night before he was betrayed, the night before, like, he was going to go and die for us to save us, he took bread and he took wine and he said, this is my body given for you. And he said, this is my blood given for you. And we believe in this thing called transubstantiation. Like Mars, like, what is transubstantiation? Whatever. Uh, but, but we believe in this thing that Jesus comes and that he, he, he comes to us in the form of bread and wine and we get to receive him, we get to worship him. And Mario's like, you really believe that? Father's like, yeah, that's what we believe. And Mario just again, he's like, that's true I gotta take that serious like if that's true I gotta wrestle with that and so this is what would happen like he'd be with us for for a couple months getting kind of used to the, the whole thing and what started to happen is the brothers used to find him just sitting we have a, a small little chapel he'd just be in there sitting in the chapel so one of the days, one of the brothers comes up to him. He's like, hey, Mario, like, you know, you've been with us a couple months. Remember, you, you came in. We know you're not Catholic, but you seem to be spending a lot of time, like, in the chapel. Like, what's, what's going on here? You know, tell us about this. And he's like, well, um, like, if that's, if that's Jesus, I want to be around him. And he's like, I've tried everything. I've tried everything else. Like, if that's really who you say it is, like, I just, I want to give it a shot. And so every day he would just be in there spending time with who may or may not have been Jesus. But if, but the Father said it was true and it seemed, it seemed something. And, and, and so he would just be there. Um, and again, like, the, it's the beautiful thing of like, just hearing it for the first time. Like, we think, we say, like, God's in there. And how often, like, it's, in, and Mara's like, well, if that's God, like, I need to be in there. Um, and what would happen about five months into his stay with us, he comes out of the, he comes out of the chapel, and he's in tears. And Father Innocent's there, and Father Innocent greets him, and says, it's Mario, like, how are we doing? Like, what's going on? And he says, Father, here's just what happened. I was just in the chapel, and I, and I made this prayer. 
I said, Father Innocent says that you're God. Father Innocent says that you're Jesus, and that you're good and that you love me. I need you. I need you to come into my heart. Like, I need to know if this is true. I, if, if this is true, like if, this, if you're here, if you can hear me, like you need to do something because I have nothing. And the Lord showed up. And as Mario is sharing this with Father Innocent, he says, like, Father, this is just what happened. I made this prayer. And all I can say is that for the first time in my life, I don't feel alone. For the first time in my life, I don't feel alone. And the conversation would continue, and he's like, Father, like, it just pains me. Like, I just, I believe that this is Jesus, and I see these, I see you guys going and receiving him, like, every day. We have daily mass every day. Like, what do I have to do to receive Jesus? <laughs> Father Innocent's like, well, let me tell you about that. Here we go. Oh, we got it. And there's actually, the church in her goodness and mercy has like an expedited process for, for the homeless, for people who are kind of on the move like this. And so that um, Easter vigil, right, we welcomed Mario into the church. Baptism, confirmation, first communion. Like we joke, like if we coughed, we would have given him anointing of the sick. Um, he, like, the, we just gave him everything. We just gave him everything. And Mario just, he, he, he was able to kind of get back on his feet and to go, to go kind of and live his life. And he's still like, he's just doing it. He's just a faithful disciple. For Mario, like Mario had nothing. And from this poverty and from this nothing, he just cried out to the Eucharist. And the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist changed his life. And we've had, we have some we have some wild stories. We have one of the brothers who basically this, he was imprisoned before he was a brother, and he cried out, and the Lord showed up and changed his life. Uh, Father Innocent, who was crippled, didn't know if he was ever going to walk again, paralyzed from the waist down for several months. Like it was in that place the Lord showed up. Like if Jesus could have given us something better. He would have done it. But he gave us the greatest gift in the gift of himself. And so, my friends, I invite you um, to just ponder and to contemplate this mystery again, this gift again. And maybe you already have great faith and a great Eucharistic devotion, and maybe the invitation tonight is just to say, like, Thank you. I love you. I adore you. You've already changed my life. Maybe uh, where you're at is like we talked about yesterday. Maybe you're at this place of questioning and you don't really get what the Lord's doing. And the answer he wants to give to you first and foremost again is like, hey, I'm with you just so you know. Like, I see you 
and I'm with you. Maybe, like early Mario, it's like, you, they, Father's saying this is true. Like, I don't know about that. Like, Jesus, if that's you, like, help me to believe. Um, or maybe, again, you just experience the poverty of, of life and of all of it and just have to cry out, like, Lord, nothing else has worked. I need you. I need you. Like, come into my heart. There is no truth um, that has more radically um, changed the trajectory of my life than this truth. Jesus present in the most holy Eucharist because he loves me, because he sees me, um, because he's with me. It's the greatest gift. Tonight, like, let's receive this gift again. Let's receive this gift again. And we'll conclude with, um, it's called the Praises of St. Francis, Praises of God by St. Francis. And I think it just so beautifully, it's, it's just a praise to God, um, but can be a beautiful prayer to the Eucharist. You are holy, Lord God alone, who works wonders. You are strong. You are great. You are the most high. You are almighty. You, holy Father, King of heaven and earth, you are three in one, Lord God of gods. You are good. You are all good, the highest good, Lord God, living and true. You are love. You are charity. You are wisdom. You are humility. You are patience. You are beauty. You are meekness. You are security. You are rest. You are gladness and joy. You are our hope. You are our justice and temperance. You are everything. Our riches to sufficiency. You are beauty. You are meekness. You are protector. You are guardian and defender. You are strength. You are refuge. You are our hope. You are our faith. You are our charity. You are all our sweetness. You are our eternal life. You are refuge. You are rest. You are protector. You are beauty. You are our sweetness. You are riches. You are Emmanuel. You are everything. Thank you for listening. The ministry here at CTK is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, 
please visit ctklsu.org.